welcome back to Butter With That, a movies podcast hosted by a couple of friends from Philadelphia. My name is Sam, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Connor, Tori, Christine, and Dave. And we are wrapping up our discussion about back-to-school movies. But before we get into all that great stuff, just to check in. It's been a while since we recorded last. How's everybody doing? Slash, did you see a good movie recently? I saw Midsommar. For the first time, I know you said it was like an extended Oh yeah, I saw the um I'd seen the director's cut. Um which to my knowledge is mostly just extra dialogue. As I understand, I don't know. I haven't seen it okay. originally, so I don't know what the difference is, but um I'm told it's a little bit longer or some of the shots run a little longer. Has anyone here not seen it? Okay, and I you guys Oh, okay. I don't want to spoil anything then. No, it was uh ahead, it was good though. It was like definitely a <clears throat> it was an Ari Aster movie, so I mean, you know, I had to walk away from it and digest for like 2 days before I realized like, oh shit, I really like this movie. You yeah. did Hereditary. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That was uh their first film. This is the second. How was Florence Pugh? Pugh? Uh she's she's good. She's really good. Uh the acting, yeah, the acting is okay. I'd say across the board. I think the story is maybe a little more captivating or the way it's shot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it holds up. It's not the it's not quite the like uh the well, this is actually a little bit ironic of those of us who've seen the film. It's not quite the sledgehammer that uh that hereditary was, mm. but it uh definitely hits pretty hard at times. <laughs> it has a, <laughs> Right? That was a pretty good one. It has created my new favorite thing that I wanna say every time there's like a shitty person, like put that dude in a bear suit. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, at the end what? of the movie it was so hard not to just scream <laughs> Dump him, girl. <laughs> Man, yeah. But I restrained myself. It's it's pretty crazy. I liked it though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have I? I don't think I've seen anything in theaters for like a week or so. But Garrett and I uh, watched Blue Velvet, which I had never seen before, oh. and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't they film part of that in Hazelton? Maybe I'm pretty sure because I think they did. They were filming because Lynch filmed in Philadelphia a couple times, right? That I'm not sure of. They definitely filmed my senior year of high school because I remember a friend and I were making a joke. We were like, let's just cut class and go to Hazleton and see Ryan Gosling. Let's just do it. Oh, you're talking about Blue Velvet. Oh, I am. What's this movie? Uh, Blue Velvet. Oh, right, right. What's the difference? Um, <laughs> one is a David, a David Lynch movie. <laughs> They're both very intense. Yeah, I haven't really seen good. Blue Valentine, um, but neither have I. Also a sledgehammer of a movie. Yeah. Um, if you've seen Twin Peaks or like a racer head or anything, it's like very, very David Lynch. Um, but I thought it was fun. Kyle MacLachlan is like really good in it. Um, who Dennis plays Hopper. the ba- Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopper is so an good. insane <laughs> bad guy in it, and it's really Perhaps really funny. Blue ribbon. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh, but I I really enjoyed watching that. And right now we're going through the Scream franchise because I haven't seen the last two, so that'll be fun. Did you watch Ooh. two yet? No, we haven't because she's the one we can't find. So Garrett's just buying all four on Blu-ray, so we can just watch them at home. Nice. Do you like two? I like all of them. Really? So, well, I mean, three. Three is like bad fun. Like I had fun watching three. Three is not a good movie. He's bad, all right. Um, I watched. I marathoned the first three in one night with my college roommate because I never saw any of them before. And then we watched four the next day, the four next is morning. Good. Four is really good. Mm. That was all right. Well, in comparison <laughs> to two and three, I thought it was better than two. Four is better than two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel. Or no, one two is better than four. Excuse ones... me. Oh. Yeah. Well, I haven't watched them in a while. <laughs> I just rewatched Scream not that long ago. The first one's great. Yeah, yeah it really holds it's up. It's the first one with Drew Barrymore. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for briefly. a couple minutes. Okay. 
before she gets eviscerated. Mm. Yeah, Literally, yeah. Yeah, there's like the last scene in that movie. There is just so much blood all over the place, just smeared everywhere, and it was just like in the first so, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just sitting there like, "Yep, this is uh, like pretty crazy." Like even for for like some of the Wes Craven stuff, like I was like, "This just looks insane." Oh, but it's so fucking good. It's really good. I I love Wes Craven a lot, especially like since we went through like the Nightmare stuff, which like New Nightmare came out a little bit before Scream, I believe. So that was like a test run of like the movie meta stuff. So. Um, right, right. That like makes a lot of sense. Like now that I've like recently saw a new nightmare and then watched this again, yeah. I watched the boys on Amazon. Oh, Carl Urban. It? it was absolutely spectacular. Oh, so cool. it's not a. Sh- it's a show. It's a show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, eight episodes. Amazon original, based off of comic book by Garth Ennis, who did Preacher, uh, the Preacher comic series. Uh, Carl Urban plays a guy who's trying to get. Uh, revenge and basically kill evil Superman slash Captain America. He's literally in every franchise. Like tr- mm-hmm. truly, if you go back, you're like, is that fucking Carl Urban? He's got that Urban? glorious blonde hair in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. He is. Lord yeah. of the Rings. Yeah. He's one of the riders of Rohan. Right. Whoa. He's basically in every nerdy geeky franchise. Yeah, he's in Star Marvel. Trek. A toe Marvel. in every franchise. Yep. Mm. Dread. He's in, yeah, I was just about to say. Infamous. Take a hot one. <laughs> Oh my god. A dude that Throwback. looks very much oh, like Throwback. him as a preacher. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't recommend The Boys enough. If you feel like superhero movies are tiring you out or you're not really a big fan of them, definitely recommend checking out The Boys because it's basically what happens if a corporation controls these superheroes and they don't give a shit about saving people but raising stock prices and getting the most likes on Twitter and Facebook. So basically, the plot of Captain America's Civil War, what would have happened if the Sokovia Accords were actually signed? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, uh, um, world building. <laughs> um, Anthony Starr, who's a New Zealand actor, I really haven't I haven't seen him in anything, but he absolutely kills it as Homelander, who's evil Superman slash Captain America. Uh, so him and Carl Urban are just like really and Jack Quaid, um, Dennis Quaid, and uh, Meg Ryan's son is the main guy, Huey. Oh, the younger guy. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in something. He's really yeah. good, and Simon Pegg's his dad. Aww. And he has a really off-putting American accent. Simon Pegg. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know you're Scottish. Just make him Scottish. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but 10 out of 10 recommend season one of The Boys. Right now, it's my favorite show of 2019 that I've seen. Cool. Wow. I got no movies to report. I've just been watching The Expanse. I'm almost done with season three. Email if you are watching it and have any insights. Do you like it? <laughs> I I really like it. It's got great world building. Uh, some of the dialogue, like it, basically progressively got better through the seasons, uh, and it's just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Cool. I'd recommend. Nice, nice. Um, other than AMC's magnum opus, Turn, um, <laughs> I've watched. <laughs> I watch. I've actually watched a few movies, but I watched one last night that. I think I saw when I was younger, maybe once before, but definitely not in this century. I watched The Mighty Ducks. And, oh, oh my God. 
We were just talking about the Mighty Ducks. Christine and I were just talking about it. We were talking about how you, me, and Dave love to talk hockey, so we should do a, a hockey movie episode. <gasps> oh my god, that I would, would love fun. this. Would it be amazing? We talk about how the flying V is not uh, not a procedure not an that you can do formation. at all. That's what we were talking about last night. I was like, could you imagine if a professional team actually did this? <laughs> Builds a barrier across the ice. Yeah, no. Honestly, if the Flyers got desperate enough, they'd be willing they to try mu- anything. I mean, if any no. team was yeah, gonna, if any team was gonna. Drew's like. All right, I didn't want to do this, but we're going to have to take a page from the Mighty Ducks also, book. Also, Goldberg in the Mighty Ducks is a huge... He's from Philadelphia and is a huge Flyers fan. And, like, I really appreciate that here and there they put in, like, like pats, steaks, and oh. then they did an Eagles thing. And, okay, so... Mighty Ducks came out in 1992. One character is wearing a San Jose Sharks sweatshirt, and the Sharks just became a hockey team the year before that. And I was like, oh my God! I was so excited. I was screaming at the TV. I was I, truly, I was really invested. So um, we're watching D2 and D3 the next couple of nights, and I cannot wait. I've oh, definitely yeah. never seen the sequels. I've never seen the third one. I've seen the second yeah. one. Uh-huh. Is Emilio and, Estevez in it? Yeah, he's in all of them. I mean, he's not going to turn down a call. (laughs) Turn down the duck call. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but okay. So then this made me think about Emilio Estevez and like his career trajectory because in the late 80s, he did Maximum Overdrive, which you want to talk about a magnum opus. I mean, I do need to watch Oh my God. It is incredible. Yeah. So to go from Maximum Overdrive to then Mighty Ducks interesting life choices great movies it was also shortly after that briefly in uh mission, the first mission impossible movie oh, was he mm. Mm. the first mission impossible movie is that old you, okay guys watch at least watch the trailer for the first mission impossible it's it a looks pretty great movie. completely different like the look of it tom cruise looks di- like it is oh, yeah. unbelievable wow also yeah, could be tabled go. for a special <laughs> yeah. well yes yeah we do have the uh, authority with us right now, Christine, on the series. Wow, I'm honored yeah. to be <laughs> an authority. MI6. I have to listen to it at home. I can't listen to it at the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I will watch them. <laughs> Just It'll the sixth happen. one. It's the only one I've seen, and it was worth it. All right. Well, anyway, so um, back to our back to school month. So you heard a lot of great movies so far, and we are wrapping this month up with a controversial pick, in my opinion, which is (laughs) Mona Lisa's Smile came out in 2003, directed by Mike Newell. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Interesting Um, that a dude directed this. Very interesting, which is something that I want to revisit. But um, let's get into our breakdown. So who watched the trailer of Mona Lisa? I watched the trailer. All right. One to thing. Um, Yeah. So this trailer, it was so wonderful. The opening voice is the classic in a world voice. The the voiceover guy that you imagine of like late 90s, early aughts voice. Um, Basically, it was like in a world, (laughs) Wellesley College, the best and the brightest of white East Coast girls versus (laughs) the best and the brightest of... The West Coast, Julia Roberts comes and basically <laughs> uh, tries to upturn this oh, this man. established college that's like half hub for intellectuals and half finishing school. Hmm. And so basically it's, yeah, Julia Roberts comes and then you meet all of the like it girls of the early aughts, Julia Stiles, Kirsten Dunst, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and then Jennifer Goodwin, who I forgot 
was in this movie. She's um, so I love she her. Is so she's much. wonderful. She I is love her. She's a wonderful actress. It's a great so, cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they introduce all of them in their uh, like beautiful 1950s outfits and tilted Parisian hats and tweed coats, um, and then you have the inspirational teacher montage. Julia Roberts's character challenging school authority, challenging society's expectations of women, challenging the stodgy state art history criticism, takes them to see Jackson Pollock, which is kind of an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then, then the cranberries' dreams come on, and you're like, oh, take me away. <laughs> um, so basically, the rest of this trailer is just, oh, my that great song and then more outfits uh cut to the end where a collegiate dominic west is basically like smile mona lisa and you're like is that a 1950s cat call (laughs) 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 and then end of trailer (laughs) what a great beat but that voice and the cranberries which i feel like was featured in many movies of that era drew me back to right at the turn of the century. In a world where Irish singers really caught on in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) In every romantic movie. Wow. So that was the trailer. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Christine. You know, something you said about smile, Mona Lisa. I've been trying to think about this movie and like, did that ever come up? Did we ever really understand why it's called Mona Lisa smile? No. She's an art teacher. I know. It it's it is so thin. It's so thin. And mm. we can come back to this later. But um Connor, you must have done the reviews. I did do the reviews. Um like I you can't said. Wait to hear <laughs> what? <laughs> what these reviews are gonna be. Um very uh, split decision, let's say. Um <laughs> critics on Rotten Tomatoes, it's a thirty four percent. That sounds right. And wow. audiences sixty percent. Okay. And on IMDb, it is a 6.5 out of 10 with user reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really interesting when critics or audio, like when both are like very different scores. Um, critics said that they really like the design of the movie, the outfits, the costume, the casting, um, but lament that the characters and the plot are very formulaic. It's a very predictable script. They were saying, I saw this movie years and years and years ago. Um, I remember liking it when I was younger. Um, but yeah, very saying it's very formulaic and predictable, and it was hard to kind of suss out what was valid criticism from users, and just like feminism in my movies, mm. what? Yes. yes, so many of these reviews were just hating on Julia Roberts. I don't um, care for her that much as an actress most of the time, but it's got nothing to do with feminism. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, I have a funny one time about Julia Roberts here. A um, from IMDb, a film that laughably puts forth Julia Roberts yet again as one, <laughs> art historian, two, woman with a brain, three, Ouch. intellectual leader of young women, should signal to anybody that this film can be easily missed. Marketing, casting directors, and studio big Deep bucks cut. have made a Cretan public think that this woman can act much less earn an oscar but mona lisa smile should be the wake-up call for the academy wow Jeez, uh, hot takes there uh, a positive critical review that i found was from uh sharon allen burke from premiere she was also one of the only women i saw on mm. Rotten tomatoes and uh metacritic that was like a female reviewer so that was interesting almost everybody else was male That's interesting also yeah um director mike newell strips away facades and keeps this movie singing to the feel-good ending where everybody learns a life lesson by graduation time whatever their choice may be 
um, was her main takeaway. Uh, critical negative review from David Anson of Newsweek. The cartoon notions of the 50s and snooty Easterners say more about Hollywood cluelessness than about the period the film kinda condescends to, lacking the courage of its own vulgarity. Mona Lisa's smile is as tepid as old bathwater. How old is this person? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I think people just like to hear themselves yeah. write or speak. Well, you know when that person okay came not up to post it. Yeah. Well, one tepid other... is old bathwater. They were like, some critic is like laughing himself, like, oh, I gotta write that shit down. <laughs> That's a singer. Yeah. Uh, one IMDb review I saw was a woman who graduated from Wellesley in 1952. Oh shit. And this was like probably a, a five-page essay about how nothing lined up, nothing matched. Our dorm rooms weren't that nice. We had bare bones and this. <laughs> well, I guess and she'd the... be the authority on it. It just was like a whole laundry list of like, this wasn't in my day. And I was like... You're like, yeah, it's a movie. There were also a lot of IMDb positive reviews as well. This is the kind of movie that is easy to pan, but deserves better. Yes, the premise is familiar, the plot formulaic, the characters seem like you've met them before, but the devil's in the details, as they say, and this picture has enough surprises, just enough charm, enough fine acting to make it worth watching. Um, I have one more negative review, if you guys don't mind me reading this Please. one too. Worst movie ever, one star. Yes. My wife and I, since we had babysitters on Saturday night, decided to either <laughs> because Christmas... Because we needed to include that information. <laughs> <Yep>. Sorry. <laughs> uh, decided to either Christmas shop or see a movie. I wanted to go to Walmart, but she wanted to see Mona Lisa Smile or The Last Samurai. It was too late to see Return of the... <laughs> Well, it really, like, lets me know where in time we are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it was too late to see Return of the King ag- again. So we were Darn. too late for The Last okay. Samurai, so we saw Mona Lisa Smile. I've never seen a bigger ripoff than this poor excuse for a movie. It was the female version of Dead Poet Society, which I loved, but it was very, mm. very bad. Granted, I'm a fan of Julia Roberts and enjoyed a few Kristen Dunst movies uh, and Julia Stiles, but I hated this movie. I appreciate the theme, women. They just shouldn't talk about getting married. <laughs> the theme is women. Um, I support women's rights, but I think that issue gets lost uh, in one of the worst movies ever made. Wow. Um, oh. Either way, don't see this movie. If you have a chance, see Return of the King, and then see it again and again. All right, calm down. <laughs> so, but also, yeah. <laughs> so, big fan of Last Samurai and Return of the King, not. There's, oh God, there's so many layers to that review. I mean, ultimately, this person got exactly what they wanted out of it. You know, like they probably went in and they were like, I don't really expect much from this. And they didn't get much from it. This ain't Walmart. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you go in wanting to watch Return of the King and you fucking end up watching Mona Lisa smile. The only worse situation I can think of is when I wanted to see Gothica. My mom made me see Elf instead. Like... I, this is why you the, hate Will wait, Ferrell. Wait, this is why you hate Will yeah. Ferrell? It stems oh, from this one moment. That was because I would have guessed the other way around. Have you seen Gothica? No, I never have to this day. <laughs> oh, Sam, we have good. to get you to you're watch good. Gothica. <laughs> I love these movie theater, like, could have beens, though. Ooh, that's like, good. Like, what if? Instead, I watched never seen Elf, Elf, and yeah. I was like, I mean, God, I want to peel my skin off. I hate oh, this I'll so much. Whoa, Elf What'd is amazing. But I said, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of either of those movies at all. I, I was about to like feel some kind of way about like saying Elf is good. Like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm I'm sitting here that you're thinking of Connor. 
Maybe I was. Well, anyway, um, thanks for sharing that, Connor. I think that those reviews really represent exactly how I feel about this movie. I enjoyed it the first time I watched it, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'd revisit that. I watched it a couple days ago, and was like, oh, why did I pick this movie? Um, (laughs) But, you know, there are some good parts. And before, Tori, we get into um, the whole movie and what you thought about it, just like a brief synopsis, and bear with me, I wrote this on the train this morning, so I'll have fun. Um, Mona Lisa's smile follows Catherine Watson, a progressive bohemian woman from California, on her self-righteous journey of liberation, i.e. educating and opening doors for the young women of Wellesley College, a conservative school in Massachusetts. The movie is set in 1953, after World War II, and just before the second wave of feminism begins. So my thoughts about this movie is to talk about feminism, but then also the comparison between Mona Lisa's smile and Dead Poet Society, because I think, Tori, when I even said... You were like, what's Mona Lisa Smile about? I was like, it's the female version of Dead Poets Which Society. Which I've also never seen that Dead Poets like Society. Never seen that. Synopsis of it. Which is so interesting because I remember when you uh, when you brought Now and Then, it raised a similar question of like, do movies have to be within the context of their like boy or male counterpart? Yeah. Because that was, mm-hmm. was pitched as like the, stand by the girl me. stand by me. Mm-hmm. And once again, people wanting to like attach those two movies together. Yeah, it's almost like they can't just <laughs> operate on its own. <laughs> Women can't have their own movies. Um, but anyway, so just so I know, who's actually seen Mona Lisa Smile? I have not. Okay, well, sorry. Um, anyway, but you're probably okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so Tori, what are your thoughts about Mona Lisa Smile? And everyone else can join in. But think of the question also. Is this a feminist film? Um, it's a feminist film through the eyes of a man, probably, is mm. the best way to describe it. Mm. Um, I also like your bohemian thing, because I had a moment where I was like, why is she wearing like a weird hippie top with like a collegiate sweater over it? Like, that is not an okay look. <laughs> well, um, so, so the movie starts off with Elizabeth Warren, not the real Elizabeth Warren, but like... I know, my my ears were like, what? I was like, what? No, that doesn't make sense. But she goes by Betty in the movie played by Kirsten Dunst, writing an article about Catherine Watson, and she's like, a bohemian from California. Uh-huh. And I immediately wanted to vomit. I was like, <laughs> yeah. God, white people describing themselves as bohemian literally kills my yep. soul. Literally. <laughs> Julia Roberts comes in with white lady dreads. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so... I think first off, just there's like technical stuff with the movie that I was like, eh, it's very weirdly paced, uh, which I find a lot of these movies are Um, like there whenever I'm watching a movie and I feel like it's going to end and then it doesn't end and there's more stuff after it. I get like very annoyed um, because I'm like, why did you make me feel like it was going to end? You didn't have to do that. You probably could have done something else to make me feel differently. Um, But it just felt like the messages were like a little mixed. I wasn't really sure like what the overarching message was in all of these different, like, um, you know, there's, like, different sections of the film, I guess, as, like, each character learns something about 
something. Um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> overall, overall. I mean, that describes my college experience. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> um, overall, like, it was, like, an entertaining movie to watch. Like, I put it on first thing this morning while I was, like, drinking my cup of tea and stuff like that. And it was, like, the performances were good. Um, it looks really amazing. The costumes it's are great. Gorgeous. Julia Stiles looks like she should be in the 50s. Like, her hair and everything and her outfits are, like, totally perfect in that movie. It's really funny seeing Topher Grace as her boyfriend and eventually. That husband. Right. Uh, I was it's like, what are you doing in this I, movie? I, yeah, Topher. Topher Grace and anything other just than... Just like pop up and you're like, yeah. what? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I can see like when even this first came out, a lot of people being like, oh, this is like a feminist movie. But like we've learned so much even within the past couple of years where I can see how this is like... Not maybe the greatest representation of that. Although one thing I th- think is very interesting about the movie, especially since it, it's directed by a man, no, no man that is portrayed in this movie is anything better than mediocre. Every single True. dude that is in this movie is mediocre or worse. Uh, <laughs> and none of them have like a big character arc. And so that was something like I really pulled from this that I thought was really interesting. Because the, from what I understand, the two write, the writers were also men. Not only just the director, um, who also did Planet of the Apes and Superman 4. (laughs) I think one of them. Oh, now I see how this fits in that (laughs) filmography. Those were the first ones that popped up. They could have had a a much more robust um, writing credit. Uh, They just should have stopped. But I mean, like, that begs the question again like, is this a feminist film? Tori, you said. Written by a man. What What does everyone else think that scene in the movie? It kind of feels like it's a lot of this kind of like, women are in this movie, so it's feminist <laughs> kind of idea. Just kind of, that's just what comes to my mind when I think of Mona Lisa Smiles, like how people perceive it mm-hmm. as that. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. Um, but just in terms of how I feel like this movie has been viewed, it's kind of like, ladies are in it, hooray! Like kind of miss misconstruing quote-unquote representation and actual inclusion. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. right. Yeah. And so I I describe this as the Joss Whedon feminism of the 1990s. Yes, that is Women are there. Yes. And they have opinions. Yes. And that's it. (laughs) There's no real development of any Mm. character. Maybe there is a little bit of Betty. I think that she goes through the biggest change, and I think, like, she was forced into changing. Like, she didn't really want to do it, because so Betty gets married... Early. Early, while she's still in school. And then her... It was an arranged marriage, and her husband ends up cheating on her, so she files for a divorce. I mean, like, she changes in the sense where she, like, actually filed for a divorce, Mm -hmm. where, like, that wasn't something that was done back then. (laughs) What? And she she and uh, the uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal character, who's, like, the loose woman in the, the movie, end up getting a apartment in Greenwich Village together, oh. right? That was, like, the big, like... That was the big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, all right. I am like, I was like, okay, like, good first step. She, like, talks about going to law school and stuff, so I'm like, okay, those are all good things. But, mm-hmm. like, it's odd, too, because then you see characters like Julia Stiles' character, who isn't as, like, crazy about, like, you know, like, Betty wants, like, to be married and have kids, and she does want those things, but she is, like, still kind of interested in law school and everything, and, like, really cares about how she's doing academically, but then is, like, oh, we eloped, and I'm happy, and I don't need anything else, and you're, Mm -hmm. like, 
Um, mm. like what the fuck happened there? And that kind of just ends, and that's like that's her arc, and that's like where it goes. And I was like, I this is weird to me that it like doesn't even bring anything up again, or they don't even try to make Topher Grace's character like a little bit more like. Hey, if you want to do this, we'll figure it out. Like, there's no one who actually does try to do both. Like, Julia Roberts keeps being like, you can get married and have a career. Oh, you're so right about that. And she that. keeps pushing this point, and none of those characters end up doing both of those things. Which I think is an important point, because, yeah. you really, like, the idea of what would, con- what would transform this movie into maybe a more sort of complex... Mm. feminist movie I didn't point out the fact that they were male writers to suggest in any way that like male writers can't write an extremely complex movie I think the idea that you were like well the male characters weren't really fleshed out they didn't really conclude or like bring about this uh this conclusion for or Mm -hmm. this sort of nuanced ending for really any of the characters so it's a more of like a recognition that like maybe not enough thought was Mm -hmm. was taken to really bring these characters into their own and like explore Mm. and maybe more of in depth um what it means to have like yeah been in this environment and that's the problem where like that's where people get feminism wrong where a very surface read of feminism is like yeah women power blah 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 everything's about women <laughs> but it's not it's it's about how women are in relationships with other people and equality and all those kinds of things so men are inherently involved in the idea of feminism so like they should have been more fleshed out and like Topher Grace had the biggest opportunity not to be a dick and yet yeah, that that line happen. pissed me off so much like so Julia Ro- not Julia Roberts Jul- Julia Stiles gets accepted to law school and Julia Roberts is talking about that with Topher Grace's character and he's just like yeah it's great and she'll always have that and not just like a oh like maybe you could go to law school he's like oh you got accepted like good for you now let's go get married and have family like Mm. I was like no like you could have you could have pushed a little bit more and made that more complex the other thing that pissed me off a little bit was like um immediately a character I really liked got booted out of the movie which was the lesbian nurse Mm -hmm. who gets kicked off campus for giving a student contraceptives uh and that woman is Alan Cummings wife in Emma Juliet something yeah I forget her name but like she immediately I was like oh I love this character she's really great and within what like 15 20 minutes of the movie yeah, she's, she's gone, gone. And I was like that sucks they were really like introducing this like other element to this and like she had been with one of the other professors who died and that was like kind of a sad story and that's just like briefly mentioned and then she's fired and it's and it's over and you're like oh that sucks right Women dealing with grief is something that the movie hints at, but, like, never comes back to. So I think it is a real surface read. And for me, it feels like the various waves of feminism in conversation with each other, Mm. that's what I see this movie being. So there's technically officially three waves of feminism the first one is like the suffrage movement the second one is like thinking a little bit more outside of just like the white lily line so it's like cultural inequalities and gender norms and women's place in society and then the third wave of feminism is a reaction to that basically saying yeah it was all right but these are the ways that it could be better and i think like that's really vague and lazy and i think that there are more waves of feminism but yeah like this is a movie about 
right before the second wave of feminism, yeah. written during the third wave of feminism. Hmm. Right, yeah. and it has all of those things. And so I think that this is really showcased in the various relationships that Catherine has. So Catherine with Betty, played by Kirsten Dunst, which is like, Catherine is, you don't have to be married. And Betty is like, but I want to be married. And so like that's the second wave fighting the first wave. And then you have... Um, Catherine versus Joan by Julia Stiles, who, like, even though she wants to be a lawyer, she ends up getting married. And she's like, just because I'm getting married and I want children doesn't make me less smart. And, like, I think that's a more conversation mm -hmm. on the third wave of feminism, which is, like, women going about, like, oh, well, you believe in the traditional marriage sect and you believe in this and blah, blah, blah. Well, you're fucked up and you're oppressed. It's like this, like, forced liberation that, mm. like, these folks didn't ask for. And and I do think that that's interesting. Yeah. And, and considering, like, what makes a bad feminist. And I feel like that's more what this movie shows. Is like, not what makes a good one, but what makes a bad one. And it feels like none of these women seem to be women that at the end can or do have it all like yeah even julia styles like is this like you know very free or not julia styles oh my god i'm getting them all mixed up julia roberts is like this very like free spirit progressive they keep calling her constantly um but like obviously has like a lot of trouble like keeping like a relationship and it's like very obvious that like that's like a theme like she's with one person, then she starts dating that teacher, and then he's, like, really weird and gaslighting, and then they break up, and so it's, like, interesting, too, that it's, like, she's, I don't know, like, they, they don't ever show those people that it's, like, yes, like, you can be a feminist and also, like, mm -hmm. be in a healthy relationship with someone, yeah. or you can be married and have a career, it's very weird. That's such an excellent point. Yeah. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head when you said they never show a woman doing it both, yeah. and that's exactly right. Uh, again, I haven't seen the movie, but I do have one question. Do you think that could be maybe an effort to reflect uh, the national tone and culture at the time? That it was difficult to, to achieve those things institutionally in a lot of ways at the, in that era? Are we saying through the lens of 2003 or through 19, 1950s? 1950s. I th yeah. That systems within society yeah. would pose challenges for women that do want right i just don't know if that move if this movie is that smart okay you know i, <laughs> yeah. I just exactly. don't know what does it seem like the like directors and writers intention kind of was you think if you just from watching it what do you guys think i honestly have a really uh, had a really hard time like thinking of like the main like message i guess like i one of the this uh, italian teacher says something about like oh like Who's garbage, by the way? He sleeps with the students. Like he's, that's Dominic West's character, garbage. right? Those yeah. Ought to be fired right. He now. also <laughs> lies to her about like being like In a Italy. war hero, and is like, "Oh, well, you're just so perfect. Like, how could I not lie to you?" And I was like, "What is that bullshit? Like, uh, that is not a fucking what? thing. That's okay. <laughs> like, no." Um, but he does have this line about like how much she's like pushing them, and it's like, well, like he he doesn't actually say this, but he does kind of make the point of like, well, like. 
change comes in these like smaller steps like you can't just like force them to like totally change everything about the school like you have to like push and like fight battles like here and there and there probably is like some truth to that's like the how white the moderate movie man ends. that's the white moderate I, saying yeah. to stop and wait no fuck you it, no it's true but like at the same time like that's when like people get like pissed is when you're like oh yeah fuck it like all the students get contraceptives and like they're all gonna have careers and not get married and just like fuck you guys like then of course there's like this backlash because that's what those people think will happen if they even let like a little bit of that mm-hmm. in so it's like i i like can see like for that time too why it would be very hard to push anything or change anything but it's like it doesn't even seem like they try to like work with each other like because by the end of the movie they're like hey you have to have your curriculum approved with us and you can't do any of this modern art stuff and then she's like well then i'll leave and And go to europe there isn't like much of a fight to be like well like let's talk about like what i want to teach and like how we could make this work Mm -hmm. you know like which i'm not saying like compromise is always the best thing with shitty people but like in cases Mm. like that like yeah, that like could have maybe worked to like yeah. change the school like even in like a little bit of a sense but i don't know go enjoy europe julia roberts is i like, guess <laughs> is it like similar in a sense and I, I hate to draw the comparison but just because it was already brought up um is it kind of like the rob williams thing of like wah, 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 wah. you have no place in this institution making these changes out on your way yeah yeah, yeah. pretty it's much very oh, okay. similar yeah. yeah and i mean because we've been making this comparison let, let's talk a little bit about that so my questions, I guess, like, despite all of Mona Lisa Smiles' flaws, which there are many, one that I didn't even touch on, which is, like, the controversy that they're all fucking white in there. I was going to say, yeah. There's, like, even in the casting call, they were, like, looking for people who weren't too tan for, like, extras, which is, like, that's fucked up. And that's the one way of, like, keeping Hollywood fucking racist. And there's that one, like, kind of the Clint Eastwood retort of just, like, oh, I'm making it historically accurate to its setting. It's like, what? What Was this school the whole fucking world? Like, come on. It would not have been I mean, so I looked can I just go into this aside really briefly so I looked into this as far as some articles that were written around the time the movie came out and a lot of which were written by Wellesley students in 2003 being like here are our thoughts about how this school is there's that's a whole rabbit hole but there was one article that was saying in 1953 there were 12 black students which is definitely super small and that there mm-hmm. was uh, discriminatory housing practices and some real bad shit going mm-hmm. on in this college. But one of those students would have been Lorraine O'Grady, uh, who was a class of 1955, who ended up going on to be a really established artist in New York City, this avant-garde performer who like... Are you fucking kidding me? She would have fucking been in an art history class in 1953. And she, I was reading about her. She's so cool. In the 1980s, she would do these performance art pieces where she would invade art openings wearing a gown and 180 pairs of white gloves protesting the segregated art world. Which I was like, talk about a compelling story as far as upturning notions of like women and like looking at predominantly white art world, like that whole New York white world and things like that. And I was like, if it was through the lens of like 2003, which we're calling third wave feminism, thinking about more like intersectional feminism, um, why not explore these notions of like, like even in an ensemble cast, I feel like, like a fictionalized character, Mm. like, based on her story would have been so interesting anyhow that's like my aside where it's like there's no excuse you can find yeah, what a really compelling 
stories to really highlight and isn't that the point of a movie to like <laughs> it sounds like a thing where they're like eh we're already dealing with women's stuff we don't want to have to deal with black stuff too yeah. you like, know oh. that won't sell and she received the alumni achievement award in 2017 from Wellesley being That's like amazing. you wow. have a long like career being an established artist and a really amazing well, performer well I hope that they make a movie about her because she sounds amazing yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Literally, Christine, what you just said makes me want to light this movie on fire. So, <laughs> fucking forget it. Forget it? Uh. Honestly, I'm done. I don't, I don't give a we'll, shit. We'll uh, see you after the break now. Yeah, I don't give a shit about this movie But anymore. I can totally see them being like, oh, well, then we have to go into the segregated housing. How and dare. And all of this stuff. And they're like, like I, it almost sounds like oh, this is, like, too much. Like, they could just be like, oh, yeah, this is too much for us to take on or something, yeah. which is such a bullshit. Like, But there's, like, some really... Yeah, it's lazy when you have, especially this, like, really compelling story. Even if you don't... Even if for whatever reason you don't want to do that, her exact story, you could definitely do a really interesting story about one of these few, like, black girls that was in this school and, like, the struggles that they were dealing with, too. But, yeah. I feel like that's, like, a... Do your research, writers. I know, exactly. <laughs> but let's light this movie on fire. The real question then is, okay, so the comparison has been made between Dead Poet Society and Mona Lisa Smile. We're killing Mona Lisa Smile. Um, <laughs> is, fuck Mary Kill. Fuck. Just kill it. Um, is there a feminist equivalent to Dead Poet Society? And what is it? Or does there need to be a feminist equivalent to Dead Poet Society? Because Dead Poet Society, for those of us who maybe haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it, is a like male coming of age story. Yes. It is an all boys school. It is very much of like the male like straight and maybe LGBTQ experience. May like just, just like a little uh, yeah. oh, yeah. like a sprinkling oh, of hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But a it's pinch. also like you know the big like sort of like uh, progressively minded like groundbreaking teacher that comes into this mm. environment is pretty much just like you guys are reading like uh, I don't know Hemingway you should be reading uh, Wordsworth and it's like this is still all just white dudes <laughs> yeah. right just if you had to pick between dudes. the two yeah. I do agree <laughs> if given the choice <laughs> well yeah I, uh, split fifty I mean I guess like. I think in general, uh, people whose stories are not told as frequently just need those stories told more mm. frequently anyway. Yeah. So that means like people of color need their stories told more frequently. Women need their stories told more frequently. Um, I guess like if it's like the if you're boiling it down to like the formula, maybe not so much like but like we were talking about it. The, Gary and I had the conversation the other day, kind of like the one we had when we um, did like uh I'm forgetting the movie with Christina Ricci. Now and then. Now and then, yes. Oh, right. When we did, like, Now and Then, and we talked about, like, some of those other boys, like, coming-of-age stories, I was like, I saw those when I was older, so they didn't connect with me, but also I'm a girl, so I don't know if they would have connected with me the same way anyway. Like, the stories that connected with me were stories like um, A Secret Garden and The Little Princess and uh, (laughs) Little Women and, like, things like that, where it's, like, definitely a different story, but... They are, like, you know, female coming-of-age stories um, with, like, different, like, backdrops and, like, historical stuff going on, too. And I think, like, I'm glad that I had those movies. Like, I still felt like there was stuff for me to pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't I don't really know what, like, the equivalent of, like, a woman's dead poet society would be. 
that's like maybe I guess a successful comparison to mm -hmm. yeah I think the answer is there needs to be so make it but make it intersectional because I'm tired of watching movies about like white people the fact that the fact now that I know that there <laughs> is so much to Wellesley and all this other stuff I'm like I'm so happy you. You thank you Christine but it's just like it's so obvious like what this movie was doing and it made me take it less seriously mm -hmm. because I was like this this sucks this is just one fucking perspective mm -hmm. would you call Julia Roberts like the protagonist of this movie does she like go through a change like are we seeing her no. No. or is she is this just is this movie about like her and how her presence affects others around her mm -hmm. they try to make a point like I thought I was coming here to help you guys, but you guys helped me. <laughs> oh, no. But I'm like, I don't know how. I think the Italian teacher <laughs> says that to her. Yeah. Right? And you're yeah. like, ew, for, first of all, put it away. And second. Put, it, put all of it put, away. Literally put yeah, it all put, away. Put and second, away. literally leave my face. Yes. Like, I do not want to see you. Mm -hmm. All right. Any Although Maggie, <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal looks really beautiful in this Oh movie. my god, she was amazing. She was the Well, I take it back. Jennifer Goodwin is the best character. She is amazing. And I her story her so with like, her like, partner is like, very cute and It adorable. is very cute. Yeah. And, and soup's relatable. And there was like an interesting, like, you know, don't believe like rumors. Also talk to your partner about stuff before you make assumptions or break up with them. Like there were like things like that where I was like, those are important lessons probably. Yeah. And you know what? I will say that there are some scenes of this movie that like really stick with me and I love like when they're all rushing to start the school year and Julia Stiles knocks on the door and it's like, who knocks at the door of learning? And it's like, me, I do. Well, <laughs> welcome class of nineteen. The movie started and I was like, what is this shit? <laughs> yeah, but it's cute. I liked it. It is. But I was like, I also knew it was a movie about like this being like a conservative school. So I was like, ew, maybe there's something weird about these like women having to go through this whole ritual. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note. Burn any... it with more fire. <laughs> exactly right. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts about Mona Lisa Smile before we wrap up? I am glad you brought up the notion of like thinking of school coming of age stories. And like that's going to get me thinking about movies that I've seen or or things that come to mind when I think of like female coming of age like school tales inspiring teachers I really can't think of any <laughs> yeah god the only other one I know of is freedom writers which like that is what's that one with the teacher that well. they always made fun of in South Park uh, the math teacher that comes in, like I have oh. to reach these kids. Oh, <laughs> oh fuck. yeah! Fuck. With uh, Edward they made James, almost. Are you talking about stand and deliver? Stand and deliver. Yeah, stand and deliver. They made us watch it in math class. There's a whole, yeah, whole South Park episode where Cartman makes fun yeah, of that. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of because they made us fucking watch it in math. And I was like, is this how you're going to try to make me care about math? Because it's not going to work. <laughs> Good try, nice teacher. Nice try. Fuck you guys. Math. Still don't like math. <laughs> can I ask you one more question, Sam? Yeah. Does Julia Roberts have an opinion on whether Mona Lisa smiles or not? Do they study the painting? Do they like, talk they about do. it at all? They do study the painting. And there's a moment where they're like, is she smiling? Yes. But is she happy? And also, does it matter if she's happy? Right. Oh, this, this like... is how it makes my skin crawl. It's, just, it's so thin. You're like, fuck you. I know what you were doing, but it didn't work. Go fuck off. They I kept also heard like four years of this shit in art school, to be honest. So like, <laughs> you're, you are right. It is paper thin. <laughs> 
know. I love like they keep trying to bring it back. Like he even gets her that little like a uh, picture flipper thing yeah. where it's like all the different like historical like pictures from Italy, and then it's like shows Mona Lisa, and it's like ah, oh, come on, we get it, we fucking get it. Come on. I just okay. So the only thing I can think of, and it's a big recommendation if people haven't seen it yet, uh, is this documentary called Shirkers. Oh, right. um, oh, yeah. which that, is kind of a coming of age uh, inspiring teacher flipped on its head where they like these um, girls living in Singapore were basically taught how to make films and by this like mm-hmm. random American guy who came and like taught gave them a bunch of uh, film equipment and like they were doing this whole project together and then he splits and leaves and the whole documentary is like uh, 20 years later the crew involved like these women involved revisit the footage and like try to piece together his, like his story where he went and like m- finish the movie mm-hmm. and so it's like in ways he provided them like resources and like things to begin this movie but then you like learn more about him and they kind of like take the project on for themselves that's the only thing i can think of and i was like trying to remember the name but it's on netflix it is a must see i highly recommend have you seen it no but i'm I'm really looking forward to checking it out Mm -hmm. i should have checked it out ages ago when you brought it up because it sounds sounds great and i've read really good reviews it's not that that necessarily matters but yeah (laughs) well that guy from walmart i don't think he would like (laughs) oh my god that guy from walmart what did he want to see the last samurai Samurai. no he wanted to see return of the king or return of the king again again (laughs) I mean, same. Are we going to talk about I the last samurai? Watch of the King. No. Nah. <laughs> okay. I, w- I won't defend that. <laughs> More like movies about like white people in like a different culture, where I'm like, eh. So, but he's the important one we've been waiting for for the entire time we've been samurais. <laughs> he white gave the dude Japanese cannons. In. Oh my god. Well, Mona Lisa's smile, everybody. There it was. Um, we're going to take a quick break and be back with our whiteboard question. And then we'll burn it to the ground! <laughs> exactly. One must pause to consider why Miss Catherine Watson, instructor in the art history department, has decided to declare war on the holy sacrament of marriage. Her subversive and political teachings encourage our Wellesley girls to reject the roles they were born to fill. Slide. Back to butter with that. So our whiteboard question to end out the month of back to school and end our conversation of Mona Lisa smile. So Catherine Watson was supposed to be this progressive, inspiring teacher, which makes me think, well, did any of us have a teacher that inspired us to be in the career that we're in or to try something new or what have you? So was there a teacher? Was that her name? Catherine Watson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why it's just such a white person name um, sorry 
I had a lot of favorite teachers, but uh, Mr. Poro was my favorite history teacher, um, which I liked a lot of my history teachers and English teachers. Again, fuck math. <laughs> hated hated yeah, my math teachers, math. all of them. Um, but Mr. Poro was, I think, my sophomore year of history teacher, and then junior high, I got to take World War II with him, and we watched Band of Brothers, and it was yes. great. Did you yeah. have just a World War II course? Um, as like an elective, we that's could take, awesome. Yeah, and so yeah. we did like a whole course on um, just World War II. He let me borrow the textbook over the summer because he knew I really <laughs> loved history, and so I could like I got to take it home with me when I ran away from home. He was the teacher that my mom was like, "Hey, can you talk to Tori and make sure she's not like <laughs> fucking up her life?" Um, and then he also wrote me like my college recommendation and stuff. So he was really awesome. He used to pick up the phone because his uh, brother-in-law also was a teacher, and in the middle of class, they would just to pick up the phone and call each other and meep and then hang up the phone again and it was very odd but meep? I loved it. They would just go meep and then like hang up the phone <laughs> all the time. Yep. Oh, instead of putting the date on top of our test, he would always just put a funny question instead. Then he would then like read what our answers were and judge them. Oh, that's cute. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, probably the high school teacher that had the biggest impact on me was a teacher named uh, Bill Connors, Mr. Connors. Um, he taught me government. I also went with him on a spring break trip and other students to Munich. And then what? he took us up That's to the... Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Damn. <laughs> um, and then every primaries, he takes a group of students up to New Hampshire, to Nashua. And so I was like one of the like six kids selected to go to that. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, we, we, you know, hang out from time to time, which is cool as, like, an adult to, like, interact with their high school teachers in a way you never could Yeah. back when you were a kid. And even sometimes I interact with him professionally, hmm. which is cool. So, yeah, Mr. Connor, shout out. Big white beard hmm. that I aspire to one day. Melinda Salata, I know you're still teaching and I should come visit you but you were such an inspiration I don't know why I'm addressing you you'll never know that I will ever have this podcast <laughs> she was my uh junior and senior English teacher she taught me how to write she would tell us to write papers without using to be verbs which was Ooh, fucking hard nice. but wow. really was like the simplest way to become a better writer um yeah she was she was great she was amazing hmm uh, in that vein, and kind of similarly, um, an elective course I took in high school two years was um, creative writing with uh, Mrs. Hudak. Um, and she uh, taught me a, a lesson that I, I, I tend to apply to most of the movies we discussed or movies in general or even just like, you know, anything with dialogue. It's just like, you know, a di dialogue can sound unnatural if it's coming from a character that suits it, but unnatural dialogue has no place in something otherwise. Like, it's just like, not, and not in like some like prescriptivist way, but just in the sense of like, like you, you're writing characters. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't ring. Like say, like you're Joss Whedon's, where everyone is fucking <laughs> quipping all the time, no matter who they are, or like just those kind of things where it's just like individual characters, like should be their voice should be reflective of who they are instead of it just sort of being either entirely out of place for the sake of it being entirely out of place, even though it doesn't suit the character, or uh, being just sort of like everyone speaking the same way. I'm looking at you, Tarantino, also. So, like, <laughs> that, that kind of thing, I think, is, uh, is a real, like, uh, was a really, like, lasting observation that I think has, uh, has strengthened my uh, absorption of dialogue throughout the years. Cool. I had three really wonderful teachers. Um, 
Mrs. Osborne taught English, Mr. Bush was history, and then Madame Ramp was French. She doesn't teach French anymore, but man, she let my freak my freak flag fly in class, and I can't uh, like tell you how much I appreciate that. We I made, <laughs> I made this Christmas house that had like the most bizarre things. It had a fireplace <laughs> with Harry Potter in it that I labeled with like French things. It had like Jesus taking a shower, and then like a weird snowman <laughs> outside. Like it was Wait, the most. Do you bizarre. have documentation of had? this house? No. This no. is something I feel like I must must <laughs> see, if was, not live inside. <laughs> this it is was like my dream home. It was true. I made Harry's it out of several the, sheets of paper in the fireplace. I worked so hard on it. Um, but anyway, I think she like got rid of it because Jesus weird. is taking a scaring shot. the other children. And there's like a snowman out there like this. <laughs> it was really like imagine a child that was raised by the internet and had that sense of humor. Oh. That's who made that Christmas house. Anyway. <laughs> And then I had a teacher that I fucking hated. Her name was Mrs. Domzalski, and you were the fucking worst teacher. Not I didn't know we could do worst teacher. I'm about to crack my knuckles and get in. And... Uh-oh. Not no, that you'll ahead. ever listen to this, Miss Domzalski, but what I want to say to you is that the recording you played of Queen Elizabeth I was not Queen Elizabeth <laughs> I. Fuck you for saying that, you dumb bitch. And I'm Oh, done. my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Mike, I hated Mike her. Mic drop. I'll bet if, I if hope anyone hears it, if now. anyone listens to this episode, it will be her. <laughs> I hope so. You can reach me at. <laughs> but it was that podcast. Our one one star. You I could tell care. us your favorite movie, and she then... literally said in our junior year research paper, we could write at the end of our introduction paragraph in this paper. I will fuck. You fuck you. You're so wrong. Yeah, anyway. that's a terrible device. Ugh. Anyway, uh, wow. You're a horrible educator. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's to the great ones though that we just discussed. Oh, yes, here's yes. To the great ones. because a lot of you sucked. Yeah, <laughs> most of you sucked. But some sucked. of you just shined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and are still shining. Yeah, most of my teachers are still teaching. That Christmas house was so Oh my so god. Good. Yeah, <laughs> no, do you have any pictures of this? No, and then there was an attic with a couple bears. It was <laughs> I mean um, This is getting better by the time. Bears in the attic. <laughs> It really went for so, it. So, Sam, the holiday season is just around the corner. <laughs> I can try to recreate Whoever has you for if Secret you draw Santa. my name for Secrets, I'll Santa. make that for you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if I, oh, yeah. I mean, there are some things that I only briefly remember, but I'll, I'll oh if I pull your name. Also, she made us watch A Year in Provence, which is, like, literally 12 hours. But Alfred Molina is in it. Oh. Anyway. I may have many talents. Thanks, madame. You a good one. <laughs> um, anything else? Things to shout out to promote? Chilling Kill is this weekend. It is. We're doing it follows. So come oh. hang out and watch it follows with us. Indeed. I want to congratulate Alyssa, friend of the show, of starting grad school. Just really Yay. proud of you. Um, my friend Rosalie just started a new podcast. She runs Movie John, and she has a movie that she's working on called Pizza Man. Uh, right. But uh, her new podcast is all called Cinematic Crypt, I believe. And she her first episode was a Bela Lugosi movie. So Ooh, nice. check that out. Um, and then also I am going to write tomorrow a review for Vita and Virginia, the Virginia Wolf movie that just came out. Oh. Um, that's about like the uh, love affair that spawned on 
like her writing um, Orlando. Right. So go check that out on Cinema 76. Cool. I have a project I'm working on uh, reaching completion, so I will keep you folks posted. Um, and you can find us at our social medias on Instagram at Butter With That, on Twitter at Butter With That One, and Mr. Mzalski, if you want to send me <laughs> fucking hate mail, it's uh, Butter With That Podcast at yes. gmail.com. I anxiously await yes. the email. We love emails. <laughs> hate mail, all mail. Back. Oh my God, our first hate mail. That could be interesting. I know, that's how we can't wait to start fighting yeah. with her over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> This is what brings it back. <laughs> Big butter blowout. Oh, my God. Well, okay, bye. Okay, bye. bye. So long. Bye.